The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to I Took the High Road with Jacob Jansen. Our program is designed to educate about the drug problems that are reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Could we be approaching the drug problem the wrong way? Mr. Jansen has been down the road of addiction, down the path of recovery, and now helps others find their path. Addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They're sick people needing to get well. Are you a part of the solution or the problem? Come and join us for an hour of fantastic guests, amazing stories, positive encouragement, and information that just might make your community a better place. Now, here is your host, Jacob Jensen. Hello, and welcome to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and we have another great show today. Today's show is called Behind the Scenes of A&E's Intervention with Candy Finnegan. Now, Candy Finnegan is a certified master addiction counselor three and a board-registered interventionist two. She is the co-founder of the acclaimed Musicians Assistance Program, or Music Cares. Uh, she's the author of the book, When Enough is Enough, published by Penguin and Avery in April 2008, and she's personally been in recovery over 28 years. I did a show with her back in November, uh, November 21st, 2014, called the Dick Intervention with Addiction Specialist Candy Finnegan. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about her, you can certainly go back and listen to that past episode. Uh, currently, she is one of the featured interventionists on the acclaimed A&E series Intervention. Now, the A&E Network debuts debuts the return of the Emmy Award-winning documentary series Intervention on Sunday, March 22nd at 9 p.m. A&E's Emmy Award-winning and critically acclaimed docuseries Intervention returns to the network for an all-new season on Sunday, March 22nd at 9 p.m. after a one-hour special covering the first 10 years of groundbreaking series at 8 p.m. Intervention profiles people whose uncontrollable addiction to drugs, alcohol, or compulsive behavior has brought them to the brink of destruction and has devastated their families and friends. Twice nominated and in 2009 awarded the Emmy for Outstanding Reality Series, the five-time PRISM award-winning series Intervention brings attention to the enormous social, economic, and environmental cost of addiction. Original interventionists Jeff Van Vonderen, Candy Finnegan, Ken Seeley, and Donna Chavis returned to present them with the life-changing opportunity of an intervention and rehab. Each addict must confront their darkest demons in order to begin the journey of recovery in hopes that they can return to their life, turn their lives around before it's too late. Um, in talking about too late, there was an article that just came out in the Milwaukee paper that said in Milwaukee, the city that I'm from, uh, heroin deaths were up 72% from 2013 to 2014. It was 
the first time ever in history that opiate deaths, heroin deaths, surpassed homicide deaths in Milwaukee. It was pretty groundbreaking. So, uh, again, very important show, uh, something that needs to be talked about, something that certainly needs to be uh, changed the way we're handling things right now. So, Candy Finnegan, want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for being here with me this morning. Thanks so much, Jake. You know how I love to be on with you. <laughs> and I uh, love our conversations. They're always fun. I know how you love to uh, incorporate humor into recovery. It's such an important yeah. part. Oh, so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so can, can, I loved your comment, too, you know, about being on the show this morning. I, I said, thank you for being here. You know, and you said, you have to, what did you say? You, I, you have I to said, love. Well, I have to like you an awful lot to get up at 6.30. <laughs> In the morning, yes. Yeah. So uh, it's great to have you here. So can you please tell the listeners about the show intervention and how you became a part of it when it started? Well, in uh, 2004, I got this very odd phone call from this wonderful guy um, who I'd never met before um, named Sam Mettler, and uh, he uh, had talked about that he had an idea and that um, he was going to be working on the pilot uh, for um, a show on intervention, and I said, oh, really? Okay. Good luck, buddy. And uh, he said, no, uh, that um, he had some ideas and would I like to come in and interview. And I, in my little cute, arrogant way, said, don't you know who I am? You want me to come in and what? And he said, "Um, well, it's kind of different because it's going to be on TV. And I went, oh, really? Well, I wonder how you're going to get these people to actively participate in your show and addiction. They'll be really busy. Mm-hmm. And he laughed and just said, could you come in on Tuesday? And so I went in, and um, I know that they had uh, and were proceeding to interview a lot of interventionists. And this was, in, you know, a long time ago, to be perfectly honest with you. This was in 2004, and, you know, things were very different back then. It wasn't uh, mm-hmm. quite so desperate. The uh, pharmaceuticals uh, addiction had not quite you know, really even started in at that point. And um, so I had a nice talk with them, and they asked me if I'd put some makeup on because that was something unique for me. I guess other than prom and wedding, I hadn't (laughs) hadn't forgot about that. And uh, would I um, come in and do a screen test? And I thought, oh, my God, (laughs) you must be kidding. So I had my hair done and got some makeup on and went in and, heard the next day that they were possibly looking for someone younger. And my comment back to them was, 17-year-olds can't sing the blues. And walked out of the door. Got to go through it and get experience. <laughs> and, uh, sure. So uh, I got a call back that, could I come in for another one, another screen test? I mean, and from where I come, that's pretty, that's, it was very comical to me. So they go, and they called me up, and they went, oh, my gosh, we're so happy to tell you you got it. And I said, no, I'm so happy to tell you you got me. <laughs> I don't like jumping through hoops, and I don't know how you think this is going to work, but I suggest you get some people that know what they're doing. And uh, Jeff had already been hired. So Jeff and I did the first two seasons, and mm-hmm. um, then Ken came on, and then shortly after that, Donna came on. So, um. That's how I became a part of it, and that's how the show was created. And uh, I um, I just was fascinated with what was going to be the process of this because, you know, it's uh, 
it's hard to fool addicts. They're pretty smart, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I didn't know how they were going to get them. And, and uh, you know, they worked at a system that I don't even know that I'm not privy to, which is smart, and um, it's still working today. So I just feel like they had the perfect recipe. So I'm very grateful for that. And it's uh, saving a lot of lives, too. I think uh, uh, they said that there was only four people out of all of the seasons that didn't accept help. I believe I, I read that, and I don't know how accurate it was, but pretty well, good success right during the show, too. I think there was probably more than that over the last 10 years. Okay. Um, because that's too good to be true for addiction. Sure. And maybe accepted help on the show, but that didn't mean a couple of days later when they had a brilliant idea they wanted to go someplace that, uh, you know, that they weren't uh, sure still able to go to treatment. You know, and, and I got to tell you, as an interventionist, I've seen a few of the shows and they give you some pretty difficult cases to deal with. That's certainly for sure. So, Well, I think that um, I don't know how any of that happens. I just always say that's God's world, not mine. (laughs) But um, I know over 200,000 families applied to be on the show. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, And and that really speaks to what a gift it is to those people that uh, get to be on the show and get the intervention and get that uh, treatment and help. Get that chance, right. Yeah. And um, it's usually a pretty long treatment that they offer, too, uh, 90 days, which is pretty untypical in the industry. So uh, for a family to be uh, afforded that opportunity for their loved one is pretty exceptional. It's pretty. It is. I absolutely agree. So I want to talk about uh, your first experience doing an intervention while cameras were present. What was that like? Did that change the process for you being filmed? Well, well, you know me, Jake. The only thing I couldn't do was (laughs) say the F word. But other than that, it looked pretty much the same. Um, The real truth of it is, is um, I asked for a few um, things that would make uh, this intervention easier for everybody, and um, I want insisted upon having a four or five hour pre-intervention the night mm-hmm. before the intervention, and I think that they weren't maybe planning on that. Some interventionists do a lot um, less of a family meeting okay. than a loved one's meeting, but that's my only kind of and anymore, really, the, the one of the most important parts of this intervention is really explaining to families about this whole process of addiction and that mm-hmm. they have to get well too. And if they've been to multiple treatment centers and the person they loved and all of that, it's because they haven't done the work either. Yep. You yeah, know, when- we have a definition, as you know, of insanity and that's keep doing the thing, same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, these families, I've really hyper-focused on the families because lately I've seen, I've just kind of let puddles. You know, and then I take the person to treatment and, and you know, they're not able to really function in a very, you know, high-functioning way because they've done nothing but how's the addict and is the addict okay and where is he and when's the last time you talked to him. And this isn't just the mother or the wife. This is a whole group of people mm-hmm. that are the village that keep this person in, in uh, alive. It takes a village just like it does to get sober. So... I've been spending a lot of time saying, you know, what is enabling and what, what is the difference between enabling and codependency and what can you do differently this time where you get a life? 
you, you know, I when I work with families too, I never understood how some interventionists can do an intervention very quickly without talking with the family. Because what I tell a family is you will only do an intervention once with an interventionist because my job is to really train the family, even if it isn't successful, to put up the proper boundaries, uh, to put out their ultimatums and support and make sure there's a family healthy, uh, a healthy family structure. Uh, so they know how to perform an intervention. They know what is now healthy behavior. So they don't ever need to hire somebody again to do this. I've taught them uh, throughout those beginning stages of the intervention how to do this themselves. So, And many times, even if the intervention wasn't successful or they didn't think it was successful, you know, there's places like on-site in Tennessee and the Betty Ford Center and in Rancho Mirage, I mean, you can go and go through this five- and six-day intensive, you know, family training without the person being uh, in their treatment center. And uh, the children's program is by far at Betty Ford. I believe there's one in Colorado and one in Dallas. And um, more to come because Hazelden has just taken them over. But the real truth of it is is that, you know, Every single person in a family, I think they should have pups anonymous, but so far they don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, needs to get into their own, you know, the first step of our recovery focus on powerless over, and it's this person, and your, their lives have all become unmanageable, trust me. Mm-hmm. So, um, Certainly I, by the time they call us, yes. Yeah, I deeply believe in having a really stellar family program. Sure. You know, one of the, the, the things that my dad says is parents, um, you know, and interventionists, uh, we were, he, he used the term optimistic farmers that we yeah. plant the seeds and hopefully some of those seeds take well, hold yeah, and grow. Take root. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So in its, uh, success is not necessarily whether they took help or not, but have we planted some seeds of change that might make them think well, about change doing the something? Family systems by, yes. you know, helping these people get out of their own way. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and so as far as the cameras, I, um, I just ask that they do a few courtesies towards me, you know, and that mm-hmm. don't stop the cancer camera and tell me that, you know, I have a couple of hairs out of place or, or that you didn't catch that. I want their job to be as exquisite as mine is and, and as perfect. And so I have never, ever, but one time in all the ones I've done for the last 10 years had something mechanically go wrong to the point of where they stopped the intervention, um, because, uh, the mics were not synced right. So other than then we got a sound guy and that's the truth and um everything i've asked for i wanted to travel with an addiction nurse i wanted to uh um take them to treatment they've been so gracious in everything that makes my life and and my security as far as with this addict feel like i couldn't do anything else better for them so no i i really um i just sit down and go to it <laughs> so so uh um it's, you know, they don't interrupt me and I don't interrupt them. And on that note, I don't want to interrupt you into the next question. So we're going to take a quick commercial break okay. here so I don't have to interrupt you. And when we come back, more uh, behind the scenes of A&E's intervention with Candy Finnegan.
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this, providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and today's show is called Behind the Scenes of A&E's Intervention with Interventionist Candy Finnegan. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, how the cameras change the process a little bit. So coming back from the break, Candy, how does the family feel uh, about the intervention process when the cameras are filming the family? Well, does that change I it? I have to be honest, you know, what a gracious group of people that don't know what to do to save the person that they love, and they basically all have been loving this person almost to death. So I think that, you know, when the day comes around for the pre-intervention and the intervention, some are more eager than others, but I just think that they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I've had nothing but uh, families be so gracious that we're into the solution and out of the problem. 
I don't think the cameras probably at that point make too much difference. Um, it's just the help they need, and they're just eager for it. Do they do they use uh, um, like hidden cameras, button cameras? Do they use full size cameras no, when they film? Handheld. There's usually three cameras. Okay. And a sound um, guy. So. There, you know, you mentioned that you do a family session, and there's a lot of work that goes on in planning this that you kind of don't see. What kind of work do you put in with the family members uh, to to help them get ready for this process? Is well, that I would say my pre-interventions are anywhere from. I'm not sure the crew thinks they're as necessary as I do, because they last anywhere between three and five hours, and uh, that's a long stretch to hold people in their seats we take a little break and uh and come back and and uh but you know this is the most important part for me because if we don't rehearse and kind of uncover and discover and start to discard what we're not going to talk about which is um a lot of trauma in people's lives we don't share except you know in in the personal part of the uh pre-intervention and uh we just get ourselves really ready for everything on who's going to run out the door if he runs out. or I mean, you know, it's just a well-stage act. I've always had it that way. Sure. So when, when you're planning this, when you come in contact with the family, it's really just the day before, right. actually, exactly. the show. Okay. And you do all of that planning and get them all ready. Right. <clears throat> do you think the show does a good job at portraying an intervention? Well, why don't I ask you that, Jay? Um, you know, and, and we've had this discussion before, and I, and I kind of want to mimic your answer because I think it was uh, so, so well put that it does a really good job of portraying the addiction process and seeing somebody at the depths and the bottom of their addiction where they really need help. Um, it pulls the family together to actually show the intervention, uh, but I'm wondering how much of that high drama is, you know, put in there for TV sake and how much of the oh, uh, less stuff I is have cut to out. Tell you, I have never had anybody tell me what to say. Okay. I have never told a family person what to say or not say. This is, um, this is the real deal. And I know a lot of reality shows, which I don't feel ours is. I really think it's a docudrama. Um, I don't think anybody's ever been, ask that this would be more dramatic or this would be worse and it would make the story better. I, it's just so authentic and people are so invested in the truth that um, I'm, that's why I'm so incredibly proud to be a part of it because it's the real deal. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a time when anybody's gone, ooh, don't say that, that's not so good. I mean, it's just we're all professionals. We all do our jo- job to the very best we can. And therefore, you know, what you see is what you get. It is not edited to the point of feelings. You know, I, when, when I talk to people about the show Intervention, uh, for me, you know, it, it seemed to speed up the process. It certainly brought a lot of awareness about in, interventions. And now most of the United States knows what an interventionist is or does. The one issue that I ran into quite often is this um, notion that an intervention is completed in one hour of time. No, it's, uh, by the way, it's 44 minutes. Or 44 <laughs> minutes of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah and so, there's 140 uh, hours of tape. 
Okay. And so it's the 44 minutes out of 140 hours that go well, into it. Well, yes, because they film for a week. Okay, okay. And, of course, obviously, for those listeners out there, when I do an intervention, I do not spend 140 hours with the family. Yeah, so uh, please call me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what's been your observation about uh, the show intervention? What has it done for the profession? That was my observation. Do you, do you feel the same for it, or, or do you have a different perception well, that's come out of the um, show? Or? You know, just like everything else, Jake, if you do your job really well, you make it look easy. And it's not an easy job. It's a highly trained job. I'm highly trained. I've been doing this for 25 years, and um, I have never stopped learning and never stopped growing and never stopped. You know, every single intervention is not the same. It is not scripted. It is not patented. There are a few ideas that it carry into every single one of these processes, but this is a personalized, individualized process that I do um, and dedicated to the person I'm trying to help. Um, and, of course, you know, what do you think when, you know, when you see something like a show like this? You know, I, I get hundreds of letters asking, you know, they want to be an intervention and they think they, you know, what do I do? And I say, well, it's going to take you two, two and a half years just to get the educational part yeah. out. And then we'll see how good you are at it. Yep. It's definitely been, you know, I was a hedge fund manager in my early 20s, and this is certainly the toughest, most rewarding job I think I've ever had. Absolutely. Uh, you certainly have to be knowledgeable, caring, and flexible, uh, because you're right, no interventions is, is the same. Each one, you have to expect the unexpected, really. Well, and I've, I've been told that there's, you know, um, after the second season, there started being kind of an influx in people wanting to do this as a career because, you know, when you're on TV for seven minutes, it looks like it's not such a bad job. And, uh, you know, I've worked very hard. It's been my whole life work. I mean, it isn't like I just flippantly do that. And um, when I get off the phone with you, I'm jumping in the shower and heading down someplace to help a father um and his family uh, get his uh, 19-year-old daughter who's addicted to Oxy and Soma. And I'm, you know, I mean, this is my life work. I got back from Eugene, Oregon last night. So um, for a 66-year-old broad who thought she was going to put her feet up on a desk, <laughs> boy, was I mistaken. You know, one of the things that my dad says that I, I love that statement, he goes, you know, when you're in business for yourself, it's so difficult. And he goes, if anybody ever uh, said you're so lucky to be in business for yourself, he goes, I, I just kind of want to slap him, you know, yeah, <laughs> hypothetically. I but say, well, I'm in business, of work. you know, I have a higher uh, spiritual part of myself and that's who kind of I'm in business for so I can mm -hmm. carry the message to all those who suffer. And that's what we're here to do. Um, what was your favorite intervention on the show in the past and why? Well, you're going to laugh. The last one I did. I mean, really? it's like, I have to say that. It's like somebody said to me one time, tell me your very favorite intervention story. And I said, I don't have them. I love the family that I helped. I love the family I'm going to help on Sunday. I mean, my whole thing is, is that... Um, to see the whole process of this um, magnificent act of love, I you know I don't really have a favorite one. I mean I have some interesting ones, and and I loved Rocky, who was the world champion um, boxer. I you know that was such an moving um, just because of the whole family process of it. Um, 
but you know, every every single one I do, I'm just so honored and so privileged to be a part of. And till the next one, it's my favorite. Yep, you know, it's it, I I feel very similar uh, on that uh, vein. The last one that you do certainly sticks with you. It's the most important, and it, it is a rewarding job. I recently had a period in January, yes, uh, as interventionists may know, that are starting January is kind of a slow month uh, when you're starting up. Uh, and so I had a few weeks where I didn't get any calls, and it was at the end of those few weeks um, that I actually had three different people, uh, parents called me and then two individuals that I did an intervention on uh, about four to eight weeks before, and they all called that week to tell me they were doing great, and I'm going to save a lot of lives, and thank you so much for the direction and all the help that I gave them and their family. You can't beat that feeling. No, no, there's nothing like it. There isn't. Nothing uh, like it, and, um, you know, I always say, you know, the holidays are slow just because everybody's sitting around watching how dysfunctional they are, and then we get the calls. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and my December was actually really busy this year. Yeah. For, and and uh, you know, with the seventy-two percent increase with heroin deaths uh, year over year from thirteen to fourteen in Milwaukee, uh, you know, my prediction it's probably going to jump another fifty percent over the next year. I don't think oh, we're I doing agree. the right things in the city to uh, to stem this problem. So, yes, I, I absolutely agree. What do everywhere. we need? Sorry, go ahead. I said everywhere there's this epidemic. Yes. What, what do we need to do to start changing that more? I might have asked you that before. Well, so. everything that can't be done. I mean, big farms, big pharmaceuticals. There's all these kids are starting out on these pills. And one Oxycontin is, you know, $80. You take three of them, that's a $240 habit. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, you know, heroin is so much cheaper than that when they can't get a hold of it. And, uh, you know, there is no such thing as recreational heroin addiction. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, I have no idea. You know, they say that you know, two thousand kids between the ages of twelve and seventeen every single day, you know, use a non-prescribed, you know, medical pharmaceutical for the first time. And if you mm-hmm. think about that, out of the two thousand, how many of them are going to like it? Yeah. And then we're yeah. off and running. You know. And it's, um, yeah. I don't. I, I I just don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I'm. Yeah, it's uh, so much of it in the East Coast and where you are comes from Afghanistan, and we already have enough problems over there. So I, you know, I just uh, I don't know, but this is a war on drugs, and I we're losing. You know, I Doctor Gabor Mate, I think said it best: uh, the war on drugs. There is no war on drugs. You can't war on inanimate objects. We the war on drugs is a war against the most vulnerable and abused segment of the population. You're right. right now. Uh, you know, he just really says it well, and uh, we need to get more help in, in treatment out there for these people, more shows. We need to break the stigmas. Intervention is certainly a show that's doing that. Um, I Took the High Road is a show that's doing that, Absolutely. hopefully. So. So, We're just trying to carry the message to all those that don't know what to do. <clears throat> yes, and the people that have been through it make the best people to show those people out. So. Oh, absolutely. Take one to one. <laughs> yes. I, I want to get uh, to to a little bit happier strain. Were there any uh, retakes, bloopers, any funny stories you remember through the show, through, you know, through I this mean, very difficult, stressful process? I think process? after I sit back um, from going through a process 
that I mean, the bloopers, I can't say that. Um, I think there's funny things that have happened, but they didn't particularly think they were funny. Um, sure. I had a young girl who just came, I mean, just came through the door and like headbutted me. And uh, it was rather unexpected and just started screaming every foul word that your mother's taught you never to say. And in the process of it, called me old, you know. And I just turned around and looked at her and I said, look, you don't know me well enough to call me old. (laughs) And after everything else, she'd called me and the whole room kind of broke out laughing just because it was (laughs) kind of an appalling situation. And... um, and when I thought back on it, I thought, you know, it, that was way too hip for that addict. <laughs> she had no idea what I just said. But um, it didn't make the show. But, you know, it's um, everybody tries to be at their best. And when it comes to love, you know, you aren't. You just try to do everything you can to uh, to get the person to understand that they're compromising every value, every your value, their value, the you know, the world's value, the spiritual value, and, um, you know, just have that just minimal second that they can surrender, and that's what you look for. So um, sometimes it's a bigger job than others. That in, you know, and, and that's certainly what some of that uh, training, you know, is, is used for in those highly stressful, tense situations. How, I agree. How do you, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to not have had any violent interventions yet. Uh, certainly, you know, boisterous, you know, maybe a little bit louder than they should have been. How do you deal with, uh, with that kind of confrontation? Well, um, you know, I when people have said, you know, so I always go, look, you know, lower your voice. I don't ever stand for anybody talking to me that way. If you're used to communicating with your family that way, I don't have your same last name. So could you please sit down and listen, and then we'd like to hear what you have to say. But I have no interest in hearing what you want to scream at me. And, you know, that's, and on three or four occasions, people have come in packing guns, and I uh, walk right out the front door, and I said, look, no one's going to shoot this messenger. (laughs) And uh, when you uh, can find someplace safe uh, to put the gun and to put them away, um, I'll be back in. Give me a call. On on that note, how many interventions make TV? How do they decide which to use? They all do. All. Oh wow! So there's none that are cut. So if if you're if nope. they're doing this documentary on this person, they go through with it. Yes, no matter what. That's that's really awesome. Um, that makes it a really easy answer for how do they decide which to use right off the bat. I mean, they're not going to go out and get invested in this whole situation for a week and get to know the person and uh, care about the person and. And then the field producer, you know, I mean, it's just too much work to have to make a decision. All of them are absolutely done perfectly. Sure. You know, that really um, speaks volumes to how they're actually handling the show. Because certainly they could go through with the intervention, offer some treatment and help get them there. And if it wasn't good for TV, they wouldn't use it. But oh, that seems well, not to be the case. Oh, what's good for TV? I mean, I don't think that that's <laughs> ever what their point is. How sick is this person? How much does their family want to participate in this? We don't have this process if they don't have a family. 
you know. I mean, it takes the whole village. So I've never known one that was on because they didn't think it was good enough. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a great answer. I, I, I love that, too. Um, why do you think the show has been so successful over the last few years? Well, I have to tell you, the show was canceled. Um, I always jokingly said it's because, you know, the world would rather see you shoot a duck than shoot heroin. But <laughs> I, uh, I got to deeply believe, which I do, that the show was brought back because people are yearning, not for the tragedy, but for the success. And do they live happily ever after always? No, but I think people in recovery and people who sit in front of a small screen and want relief, and and I don't know how to describe that as entertainment, but want the truth and want to see. I mean, these um, shows are being used at Harvard Medical School. How do you best describe a methamphetamine user? You can watch an hour-long show and see exactly what it looks like. Sure. Um, How do you see somebody shoot an IV um, at a medical school? You don't know what that looks like. I mean, you know, and they don't go out on the street. So it's also been an incredible learning tool. Um, I, I think that people can recognize that this is, um, this is a moving, serious, not a, a replica, but the real thing. You're watching addiction at its worst, and you always at the end have a solution. We have a solution for them, and uh, um, I'm not sure that they've ever seen it before. I have people stop me on the streets all the time and go, oh, my God, I only wish my family would have done that. I only wish you would have knocked on my door, and I never expected that. I always think I'm the one person you don't want knocking on your door, um, but that isn't the way they feel. Everybody's yearning for help. Everybody, I think this show has probably helped. 11, 12,000 people get sober. Wow. Because wow. they know there's hope. Yes. And that's not uh, 11 or th- 12,000 people that have been on the show, but people in... No, um, people who watch the show, whose family right. recognizes, yes, it is time to do something. It recognizes there is a solution. Um, recognizes that, you know... Um, we put the treatment centers through a, a million hoops before we approve of them, and uh, we spend a long time self-picking the right place for the right person. So, you know, I think it's a whole process, and I think people learn from it. Sure. You know, and, and it's ten to 12,000 people you think have saved, been saved, probably made that right decision. But how many more uh, have had those seeds of change planted? And well, on that note... that's exactly note, what I mean. I mean, I, I, yep. I guess treatment centers, when they call up and they go, and who referred you? And they'll say, the show intervention. And on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break okay. from our sponsors. But when we come back, more um, behind the scenes of Annie's intervention with Candy Finnegan. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. 
But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and today's show is behind the scenes of A&E's intervention with Candy Finnegan. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about uh, what really goes into making a show. Coming back uh, from break now, you have a 10th anniversary special coming up on the show intervention uh, on March 22nd before the show starts again. Can you tell me a little bit more about that 10th anniversary special? What did they do differently? What's changed? Well, what do people expect? <laughs> um, I was a part of it, and I um, haven't seen the final cut. It was the creator of the show and the executive producers of the show and some of the original field producers and uh, some of uh, – and uh, I think there was maybe Jeff and I and Ken, I know, all did interviews and um, – it was a behind-the-scenes type of thing with some of the crew. Um, I think it was just a whole lot of people that brought this uh, wonderful, magical, helpful um, docu-series together, and I think it was just um, how it's all made up. And um, I was really surprised they did it, to be honest with you. They, they're not kind of special. This is a kind of a special topic. And then we go into the first show. Um I just think everybody's kind of amazed and proud that they brought this reality show back, and it was totally by popular demand. 
Is it and, is uh, it just the the interventionists and the producers, or do you have some of the past patients on who've, who've no, gone there? No, um, I think they elected not to do that. We're having all these video cam follow ups from um, all of the a lot of you know a lot mm-hmm. of the um, people that were on the show, and uh, we're doing follow ups ten years later, nine years later, eight years later. So we've been filming those, and those are really fun. And mm-hmm. uh, no, I think this is just about how and why um, this was such a success. You said, you know, when you did the 10th anniversary special, uh, you talked some about the behind the scenes. Is there anything that you could tell us or that you missed in that interview that, you know, maybe you could tell that I took the high road well, listeners? You know, every single person who's on it, I think there's 14 people on it, and it's an hour-long special. So I, I think everybody just talked about how much they cared about the show and how the show was created and why it was a success and and uh, why we're back. And um, I, I wasn't present for it. Every single person was interviewed separately. So it's going to be a surprise to all of us. But I know all of us were really grateful to have the opportunity to talk about, you know, we don't make that show successful. A mm-hmm. whole lot of people do. Sure. Sure. Is um. Anybody you want to, to thank on the show for, for... Well, I always want to thank Sam Mettler for being crazy enough to think this idea would work. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty miracle that, oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to have interventions and addicts are going to come on and participate in their own addiction. And, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, it's, the graciousness yeah, it's, and, the, and, and the, the unselfishness that, you know, hundreds of treatment centers has, you know, scholarshiped. Um, all of our clients and really care about them and not just because they're on TV for 45 seconds, you know? So um, it's a community coming together that I'm very proud of. And there certainly needs to be more shows like that with, you know, HBO coming out with shows like How to Make Money Selling Drugs, yeah. uh, you know, and things like that. We need some good well, positive recovery shows on too. Of, uh, the world are all uh, cartel drug people. I'm sorry, what? The new entrepreneurs of the world are all drug cartels. Sure, or uh, recovering addicts. Well, we can put that one out there, too. It's, yeah, boy. Uh, you know, myself trying to make a difference in the industry. Did. So you're doing a lot of different things on social media, too, right now to promote not only intervention, but also some things you're doing in your personal life. Uh, let's start with Facebook. What are you doing on Facebook right well, now? Well, you know what? I I'm just not a good Facebook person. Um, <laughs> if you want to know what's really coming up and, you have a, and you're into social media, go on the Intervention Facebook page. They have um, a lot of things that are streaming there, how you can get, you know. I mean, I just saw an Intervention uh, sweatshirt. I'm so thrilled. Um, there's huh? uh, any, you know, you can get old shows and they're, you know, they're now streaming them. They now have packages of seasons and you know, this has been, you know, backed by popular demand. And uh, I don't know, it's, um, I I guess that one of the things for me is, is that, you know, I, I'm with the uh, American um, Bureau of Speakers out of uh, Newton, Massachusetts, and I'm going to be speaking at the end of the month at um, an Iowa coalition uh, for addiction and I love doing that, and I'm going to Chicago for a fundraiser to uh, for a street level rehab, and and uh, I'm speaking at a 12 step conference, uh, the Gay and Lesbian um, Conference in Dallas in May. 
I mean, I'm just a really lucky girl. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, it's, it's a lot uh, of hard work that makes that luck happen, though, I think. so. Well, I think that when you end up having kind of the face of recovery and uh, there's you represent hope. I think a lot of people would like that to invite them into their lives. Yeah, you know, on, on hope, uh, you, you talked about the sweatshirt intervention. There was a shirt that I absolutely love that I'm going to uh, start making, hopefully, with if it's not uh, copyrighted. It's uh, Dopeless Hope Fiend. Yeah. was one that I, I loved. I've seen I, that I've out there. I've seen that. So, uh, I there, saw there's... one for the first time that said Mary Poppins is a junkie. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I looked at that and thought, what are you doing? Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where it came from. So, uh, you're also doing something uh, with Jeannie Griffin yeah. uh, called Addiction Ladies. What What is it's, that about? That was a fun one that I saw. Ladies, and we just got back from Palm Springs of doing a beautiful face of recovery, a, a conference on uh, the joys of being sober and in recovery, and was a you know the I guess the Lucy and Ethel of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, we love being together, and we've been friends. I, I met her. I said, "Look, if you don't have anything nice to say, you know, about some of these people, come by and sit by me." <laughs> <laughs> I jokingly said, "We hate the same people together." Um, you know, it's just a, it's a wonderful bond, wonderful friendship. We have the same amount of recovery. She just celebrated twenty nine years, and. Congratulations just, uh, to both of you. Yeah, and mine's coming up May 1st. So the truth of it is, is it's two women who love recovery. She's highly educated. She's a very high level of shaman. Um, she's an MFT. She's a KDAC. She's been a teacher at UCLA and two or three universities in Texas. And it's just two old broads talking about how great life is. And we do workshops on the family and the family system and um, we just have a really good time and educate at the same time and let you learn something and put a smile on your face. You have uh, a, a, one of the segments is called Planes and Garbage Cans, yeah, and it really too. speaks to about having fun. Uh, and, you know, and, and you're out there in your serenity and your calm in your backyard and the planes and the garbage trucks going by and people are clanking them. And you make light of, you know, maybe a stressful situation. Why is fun so much so important in recovery for people? Well, come on, Jake. Are you telling me you'd still be around this whole thing if you <laughs> didn't have a laugh? And, you know, the thing you learn in recovery is not to laugh at others, but to laugh at yourself and make mm-hmm. life joyful. I was promised it would be, you know, happy, joyful, and free. And, uh, you know, from the uh, addiction and the alcoholism that I had, and I took that seriously. I want to be happy and joyful. And uh, I try to look at uh, the bright side of every gloomy. There's always a light that can get in. Mm-hmm. And I want to be the person who can either bring the light or show them the light. So um, I never dreamed when I stopped drinking 28 and a half years ago that my life would look like this. So always dream up. You know, there's something wonderful for everyone. When you exude happiness, you pull in other people that have that same mentality. And uh, there's a brain gain episode, brain uh, brain games episode that talks about feedback loops and things, and how we create our own environments, really. And we think that things are so random, but yet we can choose to go or do things that we want to, and kind of create that happiness that we want in our own recovery. 
tongue. Well, but it takes a lot of we've work. We've lived on the dark side, and we promised that you know we would be rocketed into the fourth dimension. And I had my seatbelt on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things that surprises a lot of people when they get to treatment, now we're talking after the intervention, we get them to treatment, is that they think they're going to be punished. And one of the things that really surprised me when I got into treatment facilities is there's a tunnel after there. You know, there's oh, a lot of sober people having fun. I think that's the first thing fun. I heard at a 12-step meeting. I couldn't tell you what any of them said, but, you know, you often hear people talk about the twinkle in their eye and the shoulders weren't up around their ears, and you heard real, true happiness and laughter. And I think I did, without even realizing it, think, are these people really, really like this? I mean, they couldn't have been that bad. And, you know, hearing some of their stories is just such a tragedy. It's unbelievable. But we promise you won't go through it alone, and we promise that if you don't have a smile on your face at the end of every single day, that's on you. Yep, yep. If someone would like more information on what you do or the show intervention, where can they find it? Um, well, my website is um, candyfinnegan.com, another complicated one. Finnegan is F-I-N-N-I-G-A-N. And Jeannie and I have a twoaddictionladies.com um, uh, and cute pictures of us and all of our cute and funny videos. And uh, if you're interested and know somebody that needs desperate help, and uh, don't know where to turn, you can certainly um, go to addiction, A-D-D-I-C-T-I-O-N, all the same word, D-O-C-U-S-E-R-I-E-S. So that's addictiondocuseries at gmail.com. And you can always go to myrecoveryproject.com also, which is my website, if you'd like more interventions on or more information on interventions or coaching. So uh, what is your final message for our listeners? We've got about a minute and a half here. Well, it's that when you're lucky enough to be able to turn on your radio and turn on your TV and see people who bring you great knowledge um, are willing to still be taught and be teachers and can believe in yourself for longer than 30 seconds, that there's a life past addiction, you just have to believe. I always say, you know, we'll refund your misery for free. Why don't you come join us for a couple months? You know, you doing anything else? I don't think so. Um, Everything about Jake, everything about myself, everything about his show, and everything about the show Intervention are there to encourage you to get the best life God intended to. And, you know, we are all blessed. And don't be the people that don't believe. Thank you so much for being on the show, Candy, today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I always, always enjoy it. And that's all the time we have for today's show. Uh, please join us next week when I have on guest Ed Storty to talk about the five pieces to the puzzle of addiction. Thank you so much. Have a great week and enjoy life. Thank you for listening to I Took the High Road. Please join Jacob Jansen for another encouraging hour next Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.